It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kirk Cousins shows us his clutch gene as the Vikings escape disaster versus the Lions. We're breaking it all down and it's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you got to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stick. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Your daily 30-minute breakdown, everything Minnesota sports. You can now find streaming on your Roku and Amazon Fire Stick devices. So be sure to look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. End up on CARE 11. Reg, bikes take down the Lions by the skin of their teeth. Plenty to break down today. It was funny because when the game ended, I felt like that Doc Rivers meme when he was just like, because <laughs> that's exactly how probably every fan felt. That's at how the you felt today. Absolutely. Hey, lots to get into, but first remember, follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there and leave us a comment. And on Twitter, give us a follow at Lockdown M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson Show, the football party, and more. It's your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. All right. To football we go. It wasn't pretty. They didn't make it look easy, but your Minnesota Vikings, they find a way to come from behind, steal one at home versus the Lions 28-24, thanks to Kirk Cousins with under a minute left, hitting K.J. Osborne in the back of the end zone. Vikings trailed or tied in this game for 59 minutes until Kirk Cousins activated the clutch gene. He put his marching boots on, three-play drive, three passes, two big plays to Osborne for the go-ahead game-winning pass. Reggie, let's start here. All offseason, it was the same old conversation about Kirk Cousins. He's good on paper. He's got the stats to be considered a top 10 guy. But when you need him the most, he always seemed to crumble under the bright lights coming off another loss on Monday night where he's now an NFL worst 2-10 and 10 on Monday night football. Sunday, despite three and a half quarters of pretty mundane play, he showed us he can lead this team when they need him the most. Did Kirk do enough to silence the critics here saying he's not a leader or can't win games from behind? Or should fans still have their doubts he can do this on a consistent basis? So here's the thing. It's like both things can be true at -hmm. the same time, Mm -hmm. you know? So here's the thing. The Monday night and the primetime performances aside, because those w- those are what they are. Like, we can see those and see that Kirk is just not very good in primetime. We get that. But at the same time, he's not necessarily like an unclutch guy, you know? Mm-hmm. What's interesting about yesterday, and I got a couple things with this Kirk Cousins thing. So... Against the Eagles on Monday night, he had a 58.7% completion percentage. 51.1 passer rating, right? It was bad. Mm -hmm. Three interceptions. Everybody knew it was bad. Against the Lions yesterday, 
58.5% completion percentage. And this is after a 70, pretty much a 72% completion percentage against the Packers in week one. So the numbers are not really all that different between week uh, two and week three. But the outcome was there were times yesterday where Kirk Cousins had a little bit of a happy feet and he missed some guys or his internal clock was sped up a little bit because there was quite a bit of pressure from the Lions, although they only got to him once as far as a sack. They only got to him once, so that was good. But he had a lot of pressure in his face. Even on that pass to K.J. Osborne for the touchdown, that was, I mean, they were pretty much all in his grill. Here's the thing. Kirk Cousins does have a clutch gene. Okay? We'll we'll say that. If you look at it, last season, I'm looking at a few times where Kirk did some very good things in the last two minutes of the game. I'm looking at the Arizona game from last year. Uh, the Carolina game. You remember that was the walk-off touchdown mm-hmm. in overtime to K.J. Osborne. Baltimore. They lost that game. Uh, Green Bay, they ended up winning that game. They lost the one against San Francisco. Like, I'm looking at, like, all these games from last season. Kirk wasn't necessarily the problem last season. He was doing what he needed to do to put the team in position, whether it was for a game-winning field goal attempt or a go-ahead touchdown, but then the defense was kind of, you know, turning it around and letting him down in those uh, post-two-minute moments. He did what we normally expect him to do, which is put the team in a position to win. The defense still had to go out there and get the interception. Josh Metellus getting the interception yesterday after dropping one on the play before. That was a little scary, especially if you're a Vikings fan. But Kirk does have a level of clutch in him. In that last two minutes, you could put the ball in his hands, and he usually delivers. We see the games to kind of back that up. And so he did what he did yesterday. The pass to K.J. Osborne to set up the red zone attempt. And then the the pass, I mean, he was freaking wide open, K.J. Osborne, walking in for the touchdown. Kirk can do that. But I think because, you know, you see the primetime performances. You see what he did on Monday night. Like I said, numbers weren't necessarily too much different other than the interceptions, but completion percentage pretty much the same. There were times where that offense just looked stuck in the mud yesterday. But when it mattered most, Kirk did what he had to do. And that's pretty much been Kirk. Yeah, that game-winning touchdown catch by K.J. Osborne, covered by Mike Hughes, by the way, former Viking and first-round draft pick. Let's dive in a little bit more to the games within the game here, staying with the offense. I thought the offensive line, honestly, kind of the lone bright spot. They've now put together three games in a row of just really solid, consistent blocking up front in both the Mm -hmm. pass and the run game. 25 rushes, averaging nearly five yards per carry. But just as a whole, this offense feels like it's, how do I want to put this? It's lacking the creativity and the big chunk plays we all assumed we would get under KOC. Yeah, and, and that part is a little tough. 
especially mm-hmm. after the first two weeks where, you know, I was on record saying like, oh, I see the vision. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can see it. Mm-hmm. What was cool was after the first two weeks, the Vikings did nothing in the second half when it comes to putting up touchdowns. You know, the first week it was field goals. The The second week they didn't do anything. They scored the seven points in the first half and that was it for the rest of the game. This time, you know, they needed that when they got up 24 to 14 yesterday, the Lions, it was just like, oh, man, like this is uncharted territory now for the Vikings offense. Like they need to do something and do something fast. And then they come out there and and get the multiple touchdowns. And you're just like, oh, okay, all right. Hmm. This checks Hmm. out. Okay. And I I think what was interesting about that is – uh, KJ Osborne after the game yesterday said, look, we didn't want to leave it to special teams. If we were going to go out there and get it done, we were going to get it done. Yeah. Greg Joseph. Wolf. Missing the field goals yesterday. Both of them. What's Yikes. going on at U.S. Bank Stadium yesterday, man? Turf monsters we're talking about. We're talking about a guy that Many were thinking like, oh, man, this could be a Pro Bowl type year for Greg Joseph. Yeah. And then he yeah. comes out there and pushes too wide right. And so they were like, look, we're not even like trying to put the, the football in Greg Joseph's uh, feet, even though, you know, he has shown himself to be capable in the past. We don't even want to go there. We're just about to try to win it ourselves with this touchdown. And that's what they did. Yeah, two weeks in a row, didn't see a lot of pre-snap motion, window dressing. I'm not seeing a lot of big chunk plays off the play action, despite yesterday a good running game that kind of kept the Lions defense off balance. JJ blanketed again, but finally a big day from Thielen and KJ that we've been expecting. Irv Smith had one big catch on third and two. It was kind of eye-opening game for me as far as like how integral the role players are going to be in this offense, at least early on, threading mm-hmm. it around and taking what the defense gives you. Everyone needs to play their part. Johnny Munt and Ben Ellison, four catches combined on four targets. CJ Ham, first down catch. Those three mm-hmm. players combined for six for seven on targets, and five of those were first downs. Like that's just so huge for that offense to keep the chains moving. But where's yeah, the Johnny Munt motion? looked great. Yeah, he did. I mean, he capitalized on his opportunities. And side note, we're not going to go deep down the rabbit hole on this one today, maybe tomorrow, but this offense doesn't really feel like it's got a tight end one. It feels like it's got three kind of guys that maybe that's just how it's going to go all year, that they're just going to have to keep teams off balance and and start to switch these guys in and out a little bit. But they need to get other guys involved like Jalen Rager and Kenny Nwangu, et cetera, I think. And once they've established those other role guys and put it on film for defenses to hone into, I think everything's going to open up a little bit more effortlessly for the big names like JJ and the big chunk plays to Osborne and more. It's almost like they're trying to establish the run again so hard like they did under Zimmer, which again is actually working or worked yesterday. But in the passing game, it just feels right now anyways, through three weeks, just far too similar to what we kind of saw under Zimmer and Kubiak, at least compared to our expectations heading into the season. I'll say this too, uh, to your point. Yeah, some of the window dressing was gone, but I think Mm -hmm. this game yesterday, we'll see, you know, coming up in London and moving forward. But I think that game yesterday kind of broke the dam a little bit because it seemed like... It seemed like, you know, Kirk was really hyper-focused on getting Justin Jefferson the ball. And if that option wasn't there, he was a little panicked 
Mm-hmm. Yesterday, it seemed like he, especially in that two-minute drill, he kind of like lost himself a little bit, it seems like. And he was just like, you know what? Whoever's open, whoever the guy is, that's who I'm going to. It is what it is. And I don't know if that was play design by KLC. Like, look, they're doubling uh, Jefferson. They're, you know, they're really, you know, locking him up. Let me just give Kirk some some plays where J.J. is not the hot read or J.J. is not the first option. And it, it really worked because one-on-one coverage or no coverage <laughs> on some of these plays, these guys were were open for these passes. And what was interesting, you talk about the window dressing. On the touchdown where Adam Thielen got his 50th career touchdown, there was a pre-snap motion on that one. And Justin Jefferson was coming mm-hmm. across the formation, and they faked the pitch to him. And the defense was drawn into him, like, tremendously. It was like three guys coming in, you know, trying to get to Jefferson. And it left Thielen – I tweeted yesterday, butt naked open in the back of the end zone. He was running free. He was like, hey, hey, hey. Kirk threw it to him, easy touchdown. And we see some of the cool, like, play design from a Kevin O'Connell when you do have some of that window dressing and you do, you know, take advantage of a guy that's getting plenty of attention like Justin Jefferson to get some of these other guys. And we asked Osborne after the game yesterday, were you expecting to be so wide open? And he was like, yeah, actually. Yeah. He was like, I know that when, you know, JJ's doubled and when people are getting after Thielen, I know that I'm going to get a chance. And if I can win my one-on-one matchup, I should have a chance to to do some big things with the football. And he did that yesterday, putting him on Mike Hughes. I think what was cool was that offense decided that they were going to go away from or not even go away from, but look elsewhere other than Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Adam Thielen was cooking 24 mm-hmm. all day. He had five penalties against Thielen yesterday. Should have been six on that had more. down where he was, where he was holding them. Yeah. And Thielen was irate. Mike Hughes, look, he came here, drafted here. I covered Mike Hughes in JUCO at Garden City Community College. The guy you know, has special talents as a return man. He he has a lot of speed, but as a cor- cover corner, he leaves a little bit to be desired. And if mm-hmm. you have that guy on KJ Osborne, you take advantage of that, Matt. You pick on these guys because Okuda had it locked down on that front with JJ. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like it took them a while to be like, you know what? Maybe let's stop throwing at JJ so much and throw at some of these other guys because some of these other guys are not as good man-to-man against our guys. Yeah, a lot of good points there. I'm not doing what it sounds like I'm going to do here when I say this. I'm not comparing him to who I'm going to bring up, so I don't want to hear it in my mentions, but how many times have we seen (laughs) Tom Brady struggle for three and a half quarters, just a very average game, Mm. one touchdown, one intercept, and then the last drive or two when the team needs him the most, he goes on this 80-yard drive, but he's spreading it all over the field to wide receiver Mm. four, wide receiver five, tight end two, a fullback, a running back out of the flat. Cousins spreading the ball around a little bit. Again, Mm -hmm. C.J. Ham, Johnny Munt, Ben Ellison, seven targets, caught six of them, five of them for first downs. Sometimes you run to set up the pass. Sometimes you pass to set up the run. In order to set up guys, 
guys like JJ and the big plays to Osborne down the field and Thielen, you got to spread the ball a little bit and put that stuff on film for teams and defenses to kind of scheme against. And that'll open everything up. Remember, this is a brand new offense here. It may take mm-hmm. a couple weeks and we knew that going in, but rest assured, KOC still has plenty of tricks left up his sleeve oh, when yeah. it comes to that window dressing and things like that. All right, last one. Did the Vikes win this game or did the Lions lose? Because Dan Campbell made some really aggressive calls, especially on fourth down. Credit to them. They were effective. Four of six mm-hmm. on fourth down and not just like barely getting it either. Like bring out the chain gang, spend 12 minutes measuring this one, go to commercial break. No, when they went for it, they converted with authority. They were big plays. Fourth and five. 30-yard strike to Mon St. Brown. That results in a touchdown. Fourth and one, six yards, just right up the gut. Effortless by Jamal Williams. Vikings D, no push. Same drive, another fourth down. Fourth and one, play action, working off that run. 17 yards to Josh Reynolds. That drive ended in a touchdown to TJ Hawkinson. Fourth and two, Reynolds again, 17 yards. When it really mattered, though, at the end, Fourth and one, Vikings D came up huge with that stop Mm -hmm. on Williams. And then fourth and four, Campbell maybe gets in his head after that, gets a little cold feet, and all of a sudden tries to kick a 54-yard field goal that goes wide right. Really changed the vibe for the Vikings after that. You get it at midfield. Thoughts on Campbell and that decision-making? You know what it looks like to me, and I think I tweeted this yesterday, the Lions just still ain't there yet. You know, Mm -hmm. like they're trying to figure it out. The team has a lot of talent. You can tell like this team is, is on the come up. They're on the rise, but they ain't there yet. They, they play, you know, gritty. They play with that fight of a team that, you know, is tired of being like the loser, you know, they're, they're scrapping, they're, they're trying to win. And, you know, they're, they, they got the chip on their shoulder and all that, but Dan Campbell, man, God love him. God love him. Like, I think he got too smart. I think he got too smart for his own good yesterday. For three quarters, the Lions were firmly in control of the game. Like, it seemed like nothing that they were trying to do was bad. Like, everything that they did yesterday looked good. They were ahead of the chains for most of, you know, most of their game. They didn't punt. I think they only punted like two times or something like that. It was ridiculous. It was it was crazy. They it was like they just didn't believe that the Vikings defense could stop them. And for most of the day, they couldn't. And then all of a sudden like where you felt like maybe some momentum could have been had on that fourth down, they were highly successful as you said 4 of 6 on fourth down conversions. He kicks the field goal, and you're just like, what are you doing? Because even still, with kicking the field goal, with the time left and all that mm-hmm. too, kicking that field goal only made it a, a, a would have made it a six-point six point game. Point. Yeah. That touchdown to Osborne with the extra point, still, you still would have lost the game by one, and you would have had the, the Lions fans mad. I said yesterday, The Vikings snatched victory from the jaws of defeat yesterday. That's really what it was because at certain times during the game, several different times during the game, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is this one's over. I'm thinking about what I'm asking the players after the game. And we're thinking about what our angles are going to be for Vikings extra last night. Like Mm. that. That's it. And as we sit there and watch it unfold, we're just like, how does this happen? And it just reeks of, dang, man, 
the Lions are are good, man. They're they're getting there, but they ain't ready yet. They ain't ready yet. So before Dan Campbell showed up, the Vikings were on a seven-game winning streak versus the Lions. They averaged a point differential of 13.1 points in those games. Translation, they beat him by two touchdowns on average, seven games in a row. Since Dan Campbell showed up, the Vikings have won by two points, two points, lost by two points, and then won by four points yesterday. So Vikings moved to 80 and 40 and two versus the Lions all time. They continue to dominate the series. But I will say this team under Dan Campbell does feel a whole heck of a lot different. And they're yeah. on the right track. But you're right, Reg. They're just not there quite yet. Plenty of more Vikings yeah. in the NFL talk to get into. Coming up next, we're getting into our Give Me One segment. But first, Vikings moved to 25 to one to win the Super Bowl after that victory over the Lions. You can check those odds out and more with Bet Online, betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your your betting needs find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games stats news and info you want it they got it bet online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs go to betonline.net today to learn more that's betonline.net it's where the game starts. Remember, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right. Time has come here. New favorite segment called Gimme One. Let's just jump right into it here, Reg. First one up. Going around the NFL, give me one game or team performance that just surprised you the most Sunday. What really stuck out to you around the NFL? Uh, the Jacksonville Jags. Did you see what they did to the Chargers Woo! yesterday? Good Lord. Like, they whooped them. Trevor Lawrence, three touchdown passes. They I, Look, okay, I know people are going to say Herbert has the ribs injury. So, mm-hmm. yep. And look, that's valid. He looked to be in a lot of pain. I don't think he should have played yesterday. It's a very long season. They have a lot of aspirations for this season. I don't think he should have played. Rest him. Play my guy, the Mizzou legend, Chase Daniel. Let him play. Get him out there. Let him earn his paycheck, you know? But I think that was probably the most crazy performance to me yesterday because this team, like, looks legit. And with that division, you know, you know, another surprise yesterday was the Colts beating the Chiefs. But in that division, the Jags are definitely in the mix. And 
Trevor Lawrence has got some weapons between Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, like, and and the the dual monster running back crew that he has with ETN and Robinson. Like, that team looks for real. Their number one pick seems to be a dude. Like, I like what I saw from them yesterday. That was surprising, but also dominant from the Jags yesterday. Yeah, so I'll stem off that next one. Give me one. Give me one overreaction from week three. The Jags are the best team in the AFC South. Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate, or Joe Burrow and the Bengals are back. Are any of those a little bit overreaction? I caution the whole Joe Burrow and the Bengals are back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I Look, they played the Jets, okay? The Jets are, a, I wouldn't say much improved. They're a little improved. You know, I like me some sauce, you know? He played well against Jamar Chase yesterday. The Bengals seem to get back to themselves. But I do think that it's just going to be tough sledding for them. The offensive line still needs to have a little bit more synergy. And I I don't know. Something about the, the loser of the Super Bowl, that hangover is, is tough. These games are going to be tough for them moving forward, and that's just how I see it. No, I'm with you, and I don't think the Jags being a favorite in that division or at least being a serious contender is an overreaction by any means. We said it all offseason, at least I did. Trevor Lawrence just needs a coach that knows what he's doing, not Urban Meyer. He gets Doug Peterson in there, who's won a Super Bowl Mm -hmm. with Nick Foles, and all of a sudden this offense looks legit. You're getting your money's worth out of the number one overall pick just two years ago. And that defense, when you drafted Devin Lloyd and Trevon Walker in the first Mm -hmm. round, all of a sudden that defense looks a lot better as well. All right, that's a wrap today. We're back tomorrow breaking down more Vikings-Lions action, more NFL. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too, free and available all platforms. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review, and take us everywhere on the go. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing up. Be blessed. Spread love this week. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.